summer comes, the river runs again. I hear the music of the ice cream man. I'm making sparks, I'm making brand new friends when summer comes. This podcast, I am again using When Summer Comes off of their currently most recent album, Suburban Blues. So, when you can, check out Pan Astral on SoundCloud, Pan Astral on Bandcamp, Pan Astral on iTunes, Pan Astral wherever you find your music digitally or wherever, because Pan Astral is amazing. Thank you, Pan Astral. Thank you, Tad. Thank you, all you guys. We really appreciate it. And from there, um, this is kind of a recording that's all over the place. But again, I just appreciate your support. We all appreciate your support. So I really hope you enjoy it. And if you have any questions, hit us up. Feedback at thestrangetonic.com. Again, feedback at the strangetonic.com thanks for the support everyone and I hope you enjoy it and as always Michelle is just a goddamn rock star raspberry vodka mm, and um, gross i don't like it vodka. looks like something a sorority girl drinks so yeah, yeah. it, it kind of tastes like a popsicle so this could be really dangerous i was chatting with my dad in the phone tonight and through a story it came up we were talking about oh we drove up my roommate's brother's house in fort collins we were freshmen in college uh-huh. because my buddy had locked his keys in his truck while it was running and we oh, didn't get yeah, up to Fort Collins until like 11 o'clock. And his brother was like, I'm not going out to buy you guys beer right now. Like, oh, that's not where we're here. You get your spare key. <laughs> but I was telling him, I was like, man, like, we used to drink like, you know, six or seven or eight bottles of beer like at a time, like even like during the middle of the day. Uh-huh. Like, nothing about that sounds pleasant anymore. Like, even like no. remembering at the time, like, 
Oh, I'm full. This isn't. This isn't a good kind of buzz. This is the like I'm gonna sweat <laughs> and like have indigestion kind of buzz. Like this is just unpleasant. Yeah. I had a friend in town a couple days ago, and I haven't seen him in a very long time. But we we you know we're hopping around to some to some different breweries, and I was fried by about six thirty that <laughs> night. I was hungover and I was just exhausted. Oh, oh, it was awful. <laughs> it's like oh, day drinking is hard. Can't do it anymore. <laughs> On a football podcast, I used to like record with this guy. We were talking about doing a. Uh, theme where we got different people on it was be called adventures and day drinking but i like have one story and like i don't i don't want any more stories that was enough and this was right let's see a company christmas party where somehow my co-workers started at the airport at like uh -oh. six something in the morning we oh, flew geez. from seattle down to san jose and then we uh we get picked up by our boss and he takes us to this pub, which was only open because I think there was a bunch of, like, college football on that day. Okay. And we sit down and I was like, do you guys just have, like, hot tea or orange juice or something? Because it's, like, 9 o'clock at this point. <laughs> and it's like, my boss like, no, I'll get something to drink. Get a beer or something. That sounds disgusting. <laughs> but. I can't do this. Yeah, it was, you know, it was too much. And, like. Everybody throughout the night was like, oh, yeah, tomorrow we're going to get up at like 9 o'clock before we have to go to the airport and go, we're going to go to In-N-Out Burger. It's going to be awesome. And then, like, I got up at 9 and uh -huh. no one else wanted to get up. Like, in fact, my boss called. I was like, you know, my wife uh, rescheduled all your flights for the evening. So just hang out in the hotel until I can pick you up. Okay. <laughs> like, I, okay. I don't feel very well. <laughs> no shit. No, no day drinking. No day drinking. <laughs> Enough. No more. That's what sleep is for, is to get rid of it. If you day drink, it's really hard to take care of it, so. <laughs> well, and it's like that feeling you get, you know, like when you like, wake up super early, like well before dawn, and you're like uh -huh. doing stuff, and so like noon hits, and you're like, ugh, quitting time. You're like, wait, what? You're just, your body's <laughs> all like screwed up. Like, what? What time yeah. is it? Exactly. Like the yeah. time that I got knocked out at church camp by another, uh, child who was trying to impress my sister I, I believe was the case <laughs> and this was the evening and so like when the sun started going down like hey dad what are we doing up at dawn I'm like it's dusk you idiot I'm like oh well, <laughs> no. I just woke up you didn't wake up you just came to you were knocked out oh okay <laughs> oh gosh how old were you uh seven or eight. Oh man yeah he uh I probably passed out more so from hyperventilating because I was crying because he's making fun of me. But the headbutt was apparently what put me down. <laughs> that was the final straw, huh? Yeah, but I, I still got see. I just ran out of breath, and the headbutt was the like the overhead just nip. And you're down. Yep. Yeah, I, I camp. couldn't get uh, couldn't take a headbutt from a nine year old at seven. Yeah. No. That tough. Uh, that's all right. You just told everybody that, but you know. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm not seven anymore. So. This is quite true. This and is true. But... I'm not. Yeah, I'm not a seven-year-old boy who's like maybe four foot five and maybe seventy pounds. Maybe probably a little bit less than that. I'm much larger <laughs> than that now. Yes. And I have a giant square head. 
headbutt at your own risk. You out now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the you other to... person is the one that's going to be knocked out. So, <laughs> so I figured because I, I've got sort of a line which I think we'll probably end up using, like almost just like a thought that we'll probably end okay. up using for like future discussions, and it works for other stuff that's on our agenda here. But uh, did you have a chance to read Ross Duthat's uh, sex robots piece? I did take the time to read it. <laughs> what and did I you hated think? every single minute of it. Why don't you why don't you break it down, Noel? Give give people the rundown of uh, well, this that, article. That's sort of the problem is <laughs> Yeah, what the hell was it about? <laughs> so I was um riding in our rental car in LA on Friday morning and uh-huh. We're on our way, like, down, like, the Pacific Coast Highway. And I'm looking at Twitter, and there's just a bunch of people just making fun of him. And I'm like, what the hell did he write? Like, I'm not... He seems like a smart enough guy, but, like, I don't really read his stuff. People are just going to town. I'm like, okay, he must have had some fun. So I read it, and was like, what the hell is this? Like, it's not that it's, like, just bad. You're like, what, what were you even trying to say? Uh-huh. So I read it again. And I had the same reaction. I read it again today. And I was like, what? <laughs> and th- mind you, this is, I've since listened to a podcast he did with Anna Marie Cox, where she tried to let him explain himself. Oh, he also went to Twitter the following morning to try and explain, because, you know, the pages of the New York Times with their full editorial staff, uh, uh-huh. that was unclear. But Twitter is going to be better. And I <laughs> still don't quite get what he was trying to do so from his explanation it sounded like he was going hmm all right well i'm gonna try and draw a parallel in between between the motivations of religious extremist terrorists and this guy who killed a bunch of people in toronto recently who apparently was some sort of celibate extremist terrorist uh-huh. And then he tried to tie it together with these like very like intellectual like articles that he'd read. But so he, that's what he said he was doing. But in the process, he brings up feminism and the role of like how men value like, you know, sex is a transactional thing that also in like if you're having a lot of sex then you're a you know you're in a high standing in society. So therefore you probably have more money. And I'm listening to him explain it. I'm going, what I think probably happened is he had a couple of ideas that he wanted to write about and then desperately tried to tie them together. Mm-hmm. But it's just so weird. And Anna Marie Cox tries to jump in and just sort of go, okay, well, maybe if you added a few paragraphs and then like kind of left out the stuff about feminism, because that was where I think he ran into like the biggest buzzsaw of what the hell is this shit <laughs> like i can't I, I wish i could give a better like rundown of what it was about because uh-huh. it still just seems like a jumble of let's try and he wanted to throw all these things together and make it work and it just didn't right. I mean incels sex robots and how apparently was he sucked because you remember that at the end he kind of talks about how uh, the free market will find solutions to 
whatever these incels people's problems are by giving them sex robots so they don't have to worry about feminist women who won't have sex with them is is that <laughs> i mean is that anywhere close what i you mean took away from this because what i just every paragraph i read of. i'm like this doesn't seem to go together like what Right. What are you writing about? I've, so, I mean, a lot of the different topics, like, like he does bring up feminism a little bit, but it's kind of a throwaway line. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of a lot of these different things that he talks about, he just kind of throws them away. Yeah, and doesn't really explain himself very well. But basically, what I took out of it is that he tripped upon um, this <laughs> some professor I'm not familiar with him, Robin Hanson, who had proposed uh, that <laughs> we. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even I say it because it feels so absurd to even fucking talk about. Um, so the, this this article is titled "The Fusion of Sex," and I feel like basically Ross had stumbled upon Robin Hanson's proposal that we treat sex like we do, um, you know, socialist concepts of money and property that it should be equally distributed amongst the amongst the populace. So you know why why wouldn't sex you know why wouldn't we do that with the access to sex and um, and I feel like Dufat was like, oh, that's a really intriguing idea. Let me make this more palatable <laughs> by talking about feminism and how it changed the social landscape in the 60s and 70s. And now there's a whole bunch of men that feel really disenfranchised and demasculated because they don't get to have sex as much as they want with <laughs> the women that they want and how they're all, you know, and it, the term is incel, involuntary celibate. So... <laughs> Basically, this terrorist in Toronto was really angry that he can't sleep around, and he decided innocent people should pay for it with their lives. Well, it was all women's um, fault too. He was very, misogynist. and it's all yeah. women's fault. Yeah. Well, we've seen that before because that was it you know, last year or the year before that that um that something like that happened in Southern California. I, oh, I yeah. really can't keep yeah. track of all of our mass killings. I, it's mm-hmm. it's terrible. But anyways, that happened in the states um, in California too. This college-aged kid he walked into i think a restaurant like near his college campus or something and started shooting up and uh shooting everybody up and it was found his uh you know his confessional video talking about how women don't treat him right and they all deserve to die because you know he's a man and he deserves access to their bodies and all this kind of stuff and so reading this dude that article i'm like how are you trying to validate this point of view (laughs) (laughs) Because, like, I think it breaks down really easily, like, you know, treating sex as a commodity or a transaction. It's like, yeah, but these are actual human bodies. Like, aren't we trying to get away from transactions that involve the swapping of human bodies? Like, haven't we decided as a a culture and generally around the world that that is bad, that that's called rape or slavery or something? Because he never outlines, like, what what these incels actually want, like, (laughs) access to sex. Okay, but with and when and you know like isn't that where all these sexual crimes come from is from somebody deciding that they have the right to another person's body Mm -hmm. i don't know it broke down really fast and um (laughs) it would have made me think of like this is kind of an absurd an absurd take to go but i i think it's an absurd argument so let's just go for it it just made me think of prima nocta from braveheart You know, where the king gets to gets to take the virginity of every new, new newlywed woman before she actually sleeps with her husband. I'm like, is that is that really where we're going here? Like redistribution of sex? Oh, but don't worry, we're inventing sex robots, and no more terrorists will happen because of it. Like it just the whole thing just didn't make any sense to me. I got the idea that 
as you said, like he read this article and was like, that's interesting. I, sh I should try and use this. But yeah, Robin Hansen, who's actually a philosopher and an intellectual, <laughs> he's like, how do I dumb this down and make this more acceptable? <laughs> like, that's what I felt like he was trying to do. And that, like, he's like, look, I've got to write something. <laughs> and I guess I'll just do that. Cause God, my deadline is coming up. I better just slap it together here. I'm obviously not a uh, paid New York Times contributor or nearly the author that do that is. But I've done that before. I'll start writing something like, what the hell am I even trying to say here? And you just uh -huh. like you, cause you're like, well, I'll throw this in here. I'll throw this in here. And like, especially if you've got this, like he talks about something from, is it uh, I can't pronounce the author's name. It's something he got from like the London review of like books or something like that. Oh yeah. I, I remember that part, but I don't, I don't recall the author's name, unfortunately. And it just kind of, like, oh, I read these things. I want to try and maybe like impress the reader and throw that at me. Because you're so impressed with himself, he wants to try and get this in there, and it just doesn't work. And no, that's... especially because that that London philosopher Noel, he even says, "Yeah, but at the end, she decided, no, you don't have the right to sex. You don't have the right to other people's bodies." Like it totally counter. It, it was it it was the opposite of what I felt like he was trying to get at. And I thought Henry Cox was very charitable when she basically said, "The next time you write <laughs> something like this, call me." It'll kind of explain <laughs> why you shouldn't have written these certain parts. As where, uh -huh. like, mine is, you, after typing a couple of paragraphs, been like, I don't know what the fuck this is supposed to be, and just deleted it. Like, maybe, or made a note, <laughs> like, I need to research this Save further. For later. Yeah, like, flush this out, because this isn't really working. And right. so, like, at least he did go on there, and, like, he, he kind of made fun of himself, and he brought up some other points, which... He said, oh, he didn't want to add like four or five sentences or another paragraph here or there. It's like, but if you would have added a few sentences to each paragraph or one paragraph here, it would have at least uh -huh. made more sense. It still would have been mm -hmm. a bad decision, but it would have been going, it's almost paragraph to paragraph. You're like, okay, where are you going? Oh, oh what? Wait, what? Okay. Right. And by the end, you're like, was that what this was about? Okay. Uh, I don't know. Something. I, I thought he articulated like one or two interesting points, but I feel like he totally took them in the wrong directions. It was when he was talking about um, how the sexual revolution, you know, over the last several decades created quote unquote, new winners and new losers. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was intriguing because yes, the feminist movement did, did change social hierarchies in a lot of ways, though not completely. And so using that as like the jumping off point for where the, the concept of the incel comes from this like very angry involuntary celibate man. It's, it's almost like previously in society to be single or alone or, you know, whatever was usually like a form of female shaming. If you were the dreaded spinster, mm -hmm. because you know, you had no purpose or use unless you were, you know, married to a man and having his children and you were dependent upon him financially and so on and so forth. But if you didn't have a man, you were, you know, your family, you, you just brought them down. It made, you know, it was just a, a form of shaming. So now is, is like, is that the comparison we're supposed to be making here between, between men and women or like the, the social change, uh, after the sexual revolution, like, are these incels, like, they're the new spinsters, and now they're the ones made to feel shamed because they're emasculated? Like, 
I don't know. All of the, all of this bullshit is still coming under the concept of you know patriarchy mm-hmm. as being the main social construct. But you know, spinsters weren't really known for you know running people down on the highway or shooting them up because they wouldn't marry them. You know, you know what I mean? Like yeah. <laughs> it's not a good comparison, but that was like the only the only connection I could make that out of this article that kind of made sense. But again, it, it kind of broke down really fast. <laughs> One of the I think best responses to, well, it was a response to a response regarding this column was when, you know, one man was going, well, why shouldn't we understand like how men are feeling as this changes? And the person I'm assuming uh, woman responded by saying, well, because this article and your statement both still, you're saying that women have no agency. And right. like, yeah. So either you're missing the point entirely or you're never going to understand it if you with this kind of logic. Right. And because I I would also assert that this this angry terrorist incel, you know, kind of online underground based society. It's I don't I don't think it's necessarily about sex. I think it's about power, Mm -hmm. which is where most that's where these where mass killings in general come from Mm -hmm. it's about the lack of power or feeling like you deserve more power and everybody else should you know should realize that you you have power over them in some way that's i think it's all kind of the same thing i don't think it's just different and like oh they just want to get laid like that really i think is just scratching the surface of of what this kind of like this very violent and and it seems ever more apparent and more visible um, misogynistic line of thinking is becoming like it's it. I think it's ignoring the larger point that it's about power. Yes. Not just sex. And here's another thing where like I go through it, like this logic doesn't hold up is okay. So in even uh, do that kind of alluded to this, like he has been, I think even while, uh, Hefner was alive. He was very critical of this, you know, over valuation of sex and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, do that values himself a, a, you know, a, a good Catholic. When you're saying that, and it's been pointed out, I see this a lot of times from people that are quite obviously uh, anti-feminist, which I think is just the most ridiculous thing ever. But anyways, uh <laughs> They'll go, oh, you know, this is ridiculous. Women are far too comfortable with sex now, and they're just going out there and doing whatever. But then you have these people going, but they're not doing it with me, God damn it. Like, <laughs> right, that's so the what does that say about you as opposed to what does it say about women and you know, <laughs> women feeling more sexually liberated in, or just li- liberated in general? Like that mm-hmm. you still think that if this wasn't the case, uh, you're such a... Uh, you know, tremendous catch that women would be are, you know, if only if only they weren't so liberated, like, oh, this guy's awesome. He's he's so uh right. well anymore. I I'm almost thinking that so many of the like like you said, like the mass shootings, but also so many of these people that are getting so very angry at whether it be women or um, immigrants or people of color or whatever or liberals, Mm -hmm. whatever the hell it is, are just honestly, or for that matter, the people that are constantly going, 
oh, stupid snowflakes. Or they get triggered because I don't use PC vocabulary. But mm-hmm. then they get so mad and they call a racist. It's like they're not anymore. Society doesn't allow open assholery. We're tolerant of everybody <laughs> else, but not the male asshole. All right. Uh, and just <laughs> maybe just stop being an asshole. Like, <laughs> is, is it that hard? I, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know either. And I mean, like he tried, I think he, there's also the point, like trying to bring in, like not every incel is, or self-identified incel is going to be a violent reactionary person. Oftentimes they're just, you know, lonely. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's totally understandable. Like there's, you know, I think so, so much of our adolescence and adult lives for pretty much everybody is about this desire to be loved and accepted and wanted and, and, um, and to be desired in and of yourself. And, uh, you know, that can be a very lonely place if you don't feel like you have it. But the point is, <laughs> you got to just keep hoping for the best and not go out and shoot people because of it. So True. And while it's not <laughs> nearly, it's not really the same offense, maybe don't write articles like this or columns like this one that Ross Duthat did. <laughs> Where you're trying to tie things together that don't really have any business being tied together. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. I was listening to Mark Maron's podcast last week, and he, he does a wonderful conversation with Melissa McCarthy, and this was from the, his intro to that. And I just, mm. like, I was listening to it, and when he said this sentence, I had to stop and type it. So this is from uh, last Thursday when I did this. He okay. is talking about being at. Okay. What are you doing? <laughs> he got a hold of uh so for one of my glasses cases, you like put it like in a soft case which you can like wipe it down your glasses with. Uh-huh. And yeah. he got a hold of that and was just like, I don't think he's trying to chew one up, he was pulling it around on my uh office mat here. Okay. Dude, what are you doing now? Okay, doggo. Okay, there he is. And now he's straight up by the trash. Yes, okay, look. Um <laughs> all right. So yes, the Mark Marin thing. He, he's he talks about how he's been in Alabama and he's been visiting these different like you know civil rights kind of museums and stuff. Where there's some cool pictures on Instagram. I'll have to see maybe if I can link him up because I don't want I'm gonna do him injustice if I don't remember exactly what they were. But they're like holy shit. Sure. Like, and he's talking about like you know challenging himself and you know this this stuff is uncomfortable to him and, and you know mm-hmm. it's uncomfortable to most of us. And this line I just love, yeah. which is, he says, I always want to feel, but I don't always want to learn. Oh. And so when I've been like looking through different stories and things this week and responses people are having, like, I don't want to go into detail about it, but like that tweet uh, thread I sent you from, uh, I think it's another New York Times columnist, uh, Barry mm-hmm. Weiss where she does this very, very bad take in saying that the rise in the alt-right is basically, it makes sense because the left has been been lumping in good conservatives with the Richard Spencers of the world, and it's human nature to go, well, screw you, I guess I'll just join these people that I sort of agree with as opposed to check out my own behavior. Mm -hmm. And I'll I'll, get, I'll link that on the uh, on the blog too, because the responses are just really good. People going um, and just either making fun of her 
or yeah. having really good points, which is like, no, like maybe like, yes, you probably shouldn't just call people you don't agree with racist. Like you're talking to somebody like, yeah, I generally vote Republican. Don't go Nazi. Like that's that's probably a bad idea. And it's not helpful. <laughs> and it's, you know, you shouldn't do that at all. It gets, it's bad. It's kind of like those of us that are liberal, we don't like being called socialist or Nazi. <laughs> For that matter, <laughs> people are like, who'd you vote for? Nazi, uh, Nazi gets thrown around a lot these yeah. days. <laughs> but if someone does say something that's abhorrent, or as uh, Charlie Sykes points out in his book, if your party happens to harbor these... <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> I had an empty beer bottle on the nightstand, and he just started licking like the top of it. <laughs> crazy pumper he's getting into everything tonight he is it but he should be uh rescued here pretty soon because i think someone's supposed to be home at eight to take him out right he's just staring at me okay uh Mm -hmm. (laughs) but um (laughs) oh crap i lost my place oh but yeah like if if someone says something that's racist they don't maybe know it's racist maybe try and like ask them some questions and see if they can kind of understand why it's racist but that oh sorry the charlie sykes thing yeah um harboring a you know harboring racists and xenophobes and whatever else and you know, making your party more accessible to hate because it helps you win elections that's despicable yeah. you can't blame the left for that okay anyway, i don't want to talk about this because <laughs> it is it's ridiculous uh, but like i guess you know people people rush to get mad as opposed to going huh which when because uh, you had texted me on Monday about uh, mm-hmm. that Childish Gambino video. And I yes. don't know what the hell I thought it was going to be. But Julia and I got home from the airport and we sat down and like watched it. And like, we kind of yeah. both went from like, oh, because, you know, he's he's a very talented performer. And like Donald Glover, that is in everything he does. He, he's yes. very funny when he wants to be. He's a very good, just serious actor when he wants to be. He's obviously a talented just all around performer. And like it starts. And I'm like. Oh, oh, oh! Yes. And like we we both finished. Like, you need to watch that again. Yes. Okay, you need to watch that again. Yeah. And each time you're probably like more uncomfortable, but you're going, wait, what? Wait, what? Wait. Oh, yeah. okay. And then it's like we're we found ourselves looking at videos or on Twitter of people that were breaking down the video mm-hmm. to the point where I also listened to a podcast on. Tuesday, where they were talking about and this kind of sounds bad because it was like, let's ask my black producer what to think of this video because I'm white and I don't sure. know. And yeah. the producer was like, I don't know. <laughs> like, here's some <laughs> things he was probably trying to get at, but you know, he may have been hell, he may have been like trying to evoke things out of himself. That's kind of yes. art. Uh, and so, I mean, before I get your take on that video because i really don't have one still other than like wait huh mm-hmm. okay all right I need, I, need, I need to watch this again to think about it okay. i need to watch this again to think about it yeah. now I'm like i need yeah. to wait and like read more about it but i i think and i, I hope we just come back to that because as much as you and i are uh those some goddamn progressive lefty liberal types yep i think a lot of what we do is we talk about stuff we've, re- we've read and then try and read stuff like where we want to understand it more and not trying to pat ourselves in the back but i do think that 
finding ways to have people asking that same question, not same question, but saying the same thing that Mark Barron did, which is, I always want to feel, but I always want to learn and, and trying to change that, mm-hmm. I think is a, is a good thing. And I, I hope we come back to it. But that being said, um, yeah, your thoughts on that video. <laughs> so before I jump into actually kind of talking more specifically about the video, This Is America, mm-hmm. I did, when you mentioned Mark Marin, I pulled up his Insta. I just want to clarify that the memorial he went to in the South is the memorial uh, created by the Equal Justice Initiative that I spoke about mm-hmm. on one of our previous podcasts. So I just want to say that his How picks I, are great. I swear I read so the description and didn't that's, recognize that, but that I was busy. Yeah. Well, and he's, he's, he's also posted, he posted like five or six pictures, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's all for the the just uh, the memorial for justice and peace um, created by the Equal Justice Initiative. So that's super cool. Way to go, Mark Maron. I'm stoked. I'm stoked he got to go visit that because I have yet to go. But anyways, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when I watched This Is America, it it hit. It had been out, I think, for like one day at that point, and I have yet to watch Donald Glover's um, full SNL episode. And I want to watch that for several reasons, but it was that video was released at the same time that he performed. He was not only the host, but also the performer as Childish Gambino of Saturday Night Live. And that was the same night the video was released. And so it got a ton of buzz. The first the first person I actually heard about it from, um, it was on Instagram. And it's uh, Tracy Ellis Ross, the, the wonderful actress from Blackish, who I think I've talked about on previous episodes, too. So anyways, it popped up and she played this little clip and I didn't have the sound on or anything. And it was just showing him and a few, you know, few kids dancing. And I was like, oh, this is super cool. I wonder what it's about. So yeah, the next day, just from all of from it, I did, I sat down, I put it on the television. I didn't have my phone in front of me. I was just trying to watch it. Right. Mm-hmm. But I had that same kind of reaction where you start out and you think it's one thing. And then all of a sudden it flips on you. And I think, I, I think I watched it about like five times in a row. And I honestly still don't have like a solid, solid, like thought about it. Mm-hmm. Which... But I'm hoping that that's part of the point of this video, so. you know, right? <laughs> and it was so well constructed and the music was so, it was so up and so down. It was so happy and so jarring and so, um, you know, it, it juxtaposed like all of these images of happiness and violence. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's exactly what it's made. It's made to make us uncomfortable. And um, I think, I think it's something that will be, talking about like in an artistic sense and a a kind of on the peripheral of our culture for a long time now. Um, I think, I think we'll be talking about this video for a while uh, just because of the, the sheer discomfort that this video creates, how it's so distracting, but also enlightening. Um, Just, just the, him being at the forefront as um, a distraction from violence, but also a perpetrator of violence 
And, you know, I too read a, a bunch of articles, people analyzing the different mm-hmm. imagery and talking about him as like a Jim Crow figure and, you know, uh, like the choir being shot. And, you know, that's obviously a hearkening back to the massacre um, that happened a couple of years ago. And it's just, um, it's just something that's so uncomfortable and so provoking to watch. I was like enthralled by it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I guess just one more point, but, and, um, that I want to say real quick and, and we can certainly discuss this further, but one of the best, um, I guess, quick summaries, uh, that make the most sense to me about what this video might mean, um, was written, uh, in the New Yorker and, uh, the author Doreen, uh, St. Felix, um, I'll just read the whole quote real quick, um, wrote, The video has already been rapturously described as a powerful rally cry against gun violence, a powerful portrait of Black American existentialism, a powerful indictment of a culture that circulates videos of Black children dying as easily as it does videos of Black children dancing in parking lots. I I would agree. And so she was able to articulate all of those different random feelings Mm -hmm. (laughs) that I, I was not able to put together myself in the last week. And I think that really summarizes um, a lot of things that this video is supposed to do in me. Yeah, I uh, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with uh, neither one of us really being able to break down that video here, or even like necessary to do, to do so. Like that's what I think uh, mm-hmm. gets lost in a lot of this stuff, where uh, you have people that and this was meant to speak to people not so much for us to speak about it and, yeah fair enough uh, what we can it would be interesting too like because I one of the things I really thought was interesting which I again it's like I noticed it but like until someone like pointed it out I'm like oh now like you, you can't unsee it which if you spoiler alert if you haven't seen the video um, I'll put something in the intro to tell you to watch it before we get here just in case you're like what the hell are you talking about uh yeah but yes the spoiler alert part where after people are so casually killed with firearms there is someone that shows up and very carefully takes the gun away from mm-hmm. uh, child both Gabriel. times both times but yeah. the bodies are treated with absolutely no care of the people that yep. are killed just dragged away like, like nothing. And as you said, it's, you know, we're supposed to or kind left. of, yeah, yeah just yeah, that, that happens onward we go. Yeah. It, there's, I would recommend people not just, you know, watch the video several times, but yeah, seek out, seek out non, this is going to sound mean, seek out non Fox news style uh, summaries <laughs> of it because Again, it, that will be a reactionary. Even criticisms. There's there's True. plenty of criticisms out there too. Just don't go down. Don't go down the Fox News rabbit hole. Yeah, Andrew Sullivan, who I don't know about you, I kind of have a like. It seems like maybe fifteen percent of the stuff he writes, I'm like, okay, but the rest of it, I'm like, you're very smart, but why did you write this? Mm. And so Sullivan wrote a piece, I believe, is titled. Uh, the disgusting tribalism of Tallahassee Coates. Mm. And I read part of it and did the same thing where it's like, okay, I don't, this isn't necessary. And I'll describe it basically as this. And Sullivan has a problem with this where he'll just kind of 
way into the weeds where he has no business going. It's like, yes, okay. you're very smart and you're a very talented writer, but why are you over here? Like, go back and write about other things. <laughs> like, because um, he's Sullivan's very interesting uh, from a standpoint of, and this is way speaking of being in the weeds, this is way off topic, um, where he is a conservative British Catholic gay man. Hmm. That's a unique combination. It is. So he's got a fantastic perspective when he sort of approaches topics from his own experience. But when he starts heading off into areas, you're like, wait, wait, wait where are you going? It, it, it just kind of, he can be. I guess um, the one other thing I would want to say about This Is America mm -hmm. is that it's it's definitely an art piece. So we any viewer can take mm -hmm. different interpretations and different meanings out of it. And whatever that looks like, this could also be as simple as him saying, Hey, look at what black culture creates, but look at what black culture also suffers in our country. It really could be like something as simple as that. There's or, a lot of great things that happen, but look <laughs> at, look at what still happens in the background. Look yeah. at what, look at what still goes on and this is america and that is that's a very very simple truth yes and i think to your point too about like we don't really know what it's about it could just be that let's do this 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 and this and this and let's just see what people think like, what happens like what are some of the things that people watch right. and go oh this must be what they're trying to say because that's that's interesting in its... uh hero morai that's his name okay and he did an interview too with new york times and he even said like oh we knew we were trying to do something kind of you know kind of like out there a little bit but the reaction that it got was like completely unexpected which uh say about <laughs> american culture if we're yeah. gonna be like it's a music video. You know what I mean? Like you can brush that off so easily. Oh, it's a music video, whatever. But instead, like it's become this like massive conversation, both for and against whatever messages you read out of the video. And that I think is what makes it art and artistic. Yes. I was going to say, uh, it reminds me of a line from, uh, it's, I guess it's a documentary that's based off of the, book by, by the same name it's uh the book is roger ebert's memoirs but it's called uh, life itself okay and yeah. he talks about doing the uh i should know this being from colorado but i can't remember and plus i've read the book and seen the film several times uh there's some like festival that's held in boulder every year where they bring people from humanities science uh you know, just all sorts of fields to discuss kind of you know things that make humankind better Okay. And so he would lead a, uh, for his portion during the week, his lectures were on film. And he, they show him giving one of his lectures where he goes, okay, now we come to the portion of the class where we uh, watch the film, we pause it, and then we talk about things that obviously weren't actually in the film that we think are there. And I huh. think that's Interesting. As you said, why this is good art is because we're not going, oh, that was a catchy pop song. We're going, whoa. Whoa, what's that? <laughs> There's got to be more to that. I want to see that again. Right. And, and like, oh, I think they're, they're talking about this at this point, as opposed to the, uh, 
I feel so bad. I've texted that link to the video where someone uh, overdubbed it with a pop song. And I always, I have too. I always want people like, sad. I'm like, I'm really sorry. Like, like you'll, you'll enjoy it, but the earworm is terrible. Like, yeah. Like, also, don't just watch this. Like, go and watch the other video first and watch it more. But it's just kind of like, who the hell had the you know, forethought to do this? But no one is sitting around breaking down. Uh, I, I don't even want to say the name because it'll inflict the earworm on all the listeners, but. No one is yeah. going through and breaking down that song or music video and trying to figure out what societal message it's trying to convey. <laughs> right. And that's not, not really. <laughs> that's not a critique or a judgment of that particular song. It, it serves its purpose. It's just, it's not necessarily, they're not the same thing. <laughs> Which, no. To put it lightly. Um, okay, I don't... <laughs> I don't really have a good segue. Oh, and anything else? I was thinking, though, just uh -huh. to kind of have this, like, as a uh, in-case-we-need-it sort of a thing. And right now we're going to take a break, so we'll be back in a bit. I'm not a night owl or anything. I just tend to, like, be able to stay up longer than people. Not people, but, like, I can get up at 6 a.m. and go to bed at midnight and be fine. But, so I try to, like, catch up after Julie would, like, kind of go to bed around, like, 11 when we're on vacation. Uh -huh. But... Wait, huh? No. And with the yeah. <laughs> Rudy Giuliani thing, where you're, I was like, wait, he said what? Wait, he went on Hannity and he had he did that. What is this? Like, and I, the Hannity thing happened on was that Wednesday or Thursday night? I think it was Thursday. I think it was Wednesday. Wednesday. Okay, was it? Okay, we're both um, wrong. I don't anyways, know. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It was so ridiculous. So he goes on <laughs> the most friendly possible television show that he can go on and he's asked softball, I mean, softball questions throws. Yes. Softball throws. <laughs> and he still just yeah. keeps fucking it up and like to the point where like he's saying stuff that could be problematic for Hannity and Hannity tries to like give him another chance to like correct himself no that's what I meant what or the revealing that they paid out <laughs> they paid Cohen back in installments which we didn't know about before. Like, huh? Uh. <laughs> and saying it's not a campaign finance violation, but the way he's describing it, it's absolutely a campaign finance violation. And it, it, in only a way that Rudy Giuliani and Trump can really understand, tries to relate to the audience by going, well, you know, we've all been there before, right? We've had illicit affairs. And someone says, uh. hey, give us $130,000 or else we'll tell the media. What do you do? You pay them, right? Like, uh, well, wait, one what? question. Um, <laughs> you, what happened? <laughs> and so I realized, I watched a bit of uh, John Oliver's Rudy bashing fest uh, that I think was last, or I guess we'll have to actually put it a was. date on it. Yeah, it was. I don't know when yeah, I think it was up. last week so because have, Rudy was hired like two or three weeks yeah. ago. So, yeah. So I think this would have been on. This is how fast John Oliver got around to it, which it's not hard because there's a lot of footage out there of how just dumb Rudy Giuliani is for, again, dumb for a smart guy, where he, uh, this is on May 6th, but I, I also remember, in, James Comey talks about this in his book, where he worked in the U.S. Attorney's Office where uh, Rudy Giuliani was in charge for a while, and he sucks 
all of the air out of the room. So like everything <laughs> that they were doing had to be about Rudy. And they did, I can't remember the name of the docu-series. I don't know if it was on CNN or what, or it was a cable docu-series. But they're talking about like how the mob was taken down. And they give... <laughs> Like give Giuliani like a lot of the credit, and he puts like gives himself credit by going on there, and he both brags about how his dad had like somehow ties to some low level organized crime, and like so that was how like he he understood, but then talking about how uh, his dad always taught him that if it takes more than one man to help you win a fight, then you're like, you're not a real man, which oh, I don't know if you could hear it. I just rolled my eyes even saying that. <laughs> and, I thought I heard them rattling around. Yeah. And then he also brags <laughs> about the number of U.S. attorneys in his employ to you know make this all happen. Like, what? Like, so so who's the tough guy here? I'm confused. And of course yeah. he uh he goes through. He, he marries his second cousin. He has God knows how many affairs. Oh, but they didn't know until later. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> Which. If you haven't, sure. I don't always watch Oliver, but like that one was a pretty good like takedown <laughs> of like what it was. And I didn't know this because I was it a was. kid at the time and not living in Manhattan. But uh, where when he was mayor, he like <laughs> would like go on a radio show and make fun of people who called in. Like, wow. And yes. he took credit for the broken His own windows policing. Where uh-huh. yeah, he, even though I think hasn't it been proven that the crime rate was dropping before he took office? Yes, that is correct. Yeah, so the broken windows policing, uh, which oh, yeah. especially post 9-11 has basically been interpreted as harassed brown people. Like, it really, it yeah, there's not quite the statistics there to support the, the whole concept. Because when I got to the part about my dad being a fan of Julian, at least in the mid-90s, and uh-huh. I said that he was not going to be happy with me uh, quoting him here, but you know it was it was twenty years ago, so sorry, Dad. That part of why it worked, the broken windows, was because Giuliani decided to put the bums in jail for peeing on the sidewalk as opposed to looking the other way. Right. And that you know another another thing that people love about broken windows and law and order and all this stuff is when we just see a lot of police activity that isn't harassing us, it's, oh, oh, the police are out there. That must be why crime is lower is because those damn criminals who, in a lot of cases, especially in this instance, happen to be brown, um, is much better. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so (laughs) I don't know if we need to get too much more into the fun weekend that Giuliani, because then he went back on to Fox News, and they tried to give him more chances to climb out from underneath the, the crap he said, and he just found new ways to embarrass himself and his you know, bestie, who, yeah. according to some White House reporters, uh, his administration, Trump's administration, that is, is a little bit worrisome that they've got another person of the same age with the same temperaments and you know as we said a a couple of guys that totally understand paying hush money to women who you've uh, had sex with or women who have accused you of sexual assault and you say okay here's some money just don't talk about it 
Yeah. Yep. Exactly. I think my favorite part of the Rudy Giuliani stuff was his his appearance on Sean Hannity, where he, you know, started talking about the payments and uh, all the details that the public didn't know. And Sean Hannity is like off camera going, oh, <laughs> oh, oh, really? Oh, he was like, oh, shit, this wasn't supposed to happen. Like, you can hear the panic in Hannity's voice when Rudy Giuliani is talking about all this garbage. So. That was my favorite part. <laughs> it wasn't quite the same, and obviously I'm not equating with the two things here, but I was in a hotel room in San Jose, California, when I watched uh, Bob Costas on set with Jerry Sandusky's lawyer interview Jerry Sandusky over the phone, and Sandusky is just... Because Sandusky was creepy as hell, so all of his answers are creepy, and the way he's wording it is creepy. And look on his lawyer's face, very similar to Hannity's, like, uh, uh, what's going on? Why, why did yeah. I agree to this? <laughs> this is not going well. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, yeah. was it Monday when a reporter asked Trump, you know, sort of, hey, what'd you think of Rudy going on television and admitting that the affair happened, that you knew about it, that you knew about the payment? Well, obviously you knew about the affair, <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> That he knew about the like the payments and the agreement and all that stuff, and he said, "Well, Rudy's new. He'll get his facts straight later." What? Uh huh. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> that's not really how facts work. Like either they're the facts or they're not the facts. Like, uh, right. So you can either, <laughs> and then of course no, that no, 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 <laughs> they're alternative facts. They're malleable. That's how facts work, right? They can just kind <laughs> exactly. of change from day to day. It, it's what you need it to be at that time. Right. So. Facts change with the mood of our very moody president. <laughs> exactly. Oh, oh, goodness. Yeah. Yeah, so between Rudy Giuliani and uh, Michael Cohen, it's been a very entertaining week as far as, like, the Trump front goes. And I don't know what Mueller has... Like, obviously, no one knows what Mueller actually has because he's done a good job of not leaking as opposed to uh, uh-huh. Trump, who I think oftentimes is his own leak. Um, my dad was saying that probably there was some speculation that the person that likely leaked the questions that Mueller's team submitted to Trump was Trump's own lawyer, Jay Sekulow. Who, <laughs> yes, I heard that too. <laughs> who was apparently mortified at the addition of Giuliani to the legal team. Uh, oh, so you're embarrassing enough file on your own. Really? <laughs> Rudy was the one that like gets the embarrassment tail. Come on. Uh, I mean, just just do what everyone else is doing. Go, hey, I'll be your. I'm gone. I'm not your lawyer anymore. I am out of here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, oh, and oh, all of this going, all of this going on. No, no, no. All of this going on with the North and South Korea peace negotiations coming up pulling out of the Iran deal and also Israel. Yeah. Oh my God, man. Like, yeah, well, crazy uh, fucking week. And we'll obviously have to discuss, I want to see if I can get a friend of mine who has worked for a couple of different um, nonprofits that raise money for Israel. And see if I can kind of get her on to talk. I mean, she's not just, busy she's a, a big deal like she's 
in the nonprofit yeah. world, like she's held some pretty good positions. So I, I, if, if I'm lucky enough to get her, we'll, we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll have uh -huh. to discuss the Israel thing. Cause that there's just so much to unpack there. And that was just how awful. And it, it's still, it's still going on. Let's it's say, still it, going on. I mean, last time basically the every major 50? move. Uh, 52 i heard 52. Oh, God. like yeah every and and also just this photograph like every major news outlet like showing the juxtaposition of the jerusalem u.s embassy being open on top of uh you know you know three or four dozen palestinians being killed at the borders it's just it's i don't disgusting. know well it's yeah it is just, it's despicable and um but anyways, <laughs> yeah, let's. We should probably go to our good things of the we week should. after that, like really depressing note. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to go first, or would you like me to go first? Why don't you go first? You made me go first the last couple okay. of times, I think. All right. <laughs> that sounds like something I would do. Uh, so my good thing of the week is, uh, I, I guess I could go into it a bit at length here, but I'll try not to go too much. So yeah, as you've. As the listeners know, if you listen to the last podcast and saw the description or in the intro, I was in Los Angeles last weekend, um, partially for my birthday, but there is sort of another thing I kind of knew what was going to happen the whole time, and that is I uh, asked my girlfriend to marry me on Sunday night, and she said yes, and so that's hey. obviously a good thing of several weeks, probably the year and you know more than that. In fact, she just pulled up, I just saw her, the lights roll up here but uh, <laughs> a fun little uh, tie-in here to the podcast is like essentially like the whole maybe I'd had the ring for a bit my sister helped me get it and it's a family heirloom <laughs> and I was like how am I going to do it how am I going to do it and I had this like what I thought was a good idea which apparently was not uh -huh. so I'm glad I didn't do it and that was to record <laughs> what sounded like a part of our podcast like, hey, you want to listen to this thing? Because we're going to be driving to uh, San Clemente on Friday and going like, hey, do you want to listen to this and see what you think? And I was like, blah, blah, blah. I was talking about politics or something. And then like, will you marry me? And like, I told my sister this and she's like, no, no. <laughs> He's like, do you, you want to do this? Bring that on her while she's driving? He's like, Don't do that. <laughs> like, okay. And I'm glad I didn't do that. So, uh, yes, that's that's my good thing of... Uh, Several weeks, but I'll I'll still try and find good things every week. <laughs> every yes, week, right. yes. If if you bring it up more than once, I would totally understand. So, I mean, congratulations, man. That's Thank fantastic, you. Julia. Congratulations. I mean, and I can't even say how stoked I am for you guys. And you know, as much work as you put into this, like she's always been a support. Mm -hmm. and uh, helped us out. She created, like, our first logos and stuff. Like, she's always our first listener, and, you know, what an amazing woman. You're very, very lucky to have her, and uh, I would true. say she's also very, very lucky to have you. So, congratulations. Thank you, thank you. It's great. It's pretty cool. So. And now on to Now, my good thing of the week <laughs> I would like to announce that I did not get engaged this week. <laughs> There's always next week. Yeah, I mean, you never know. <laughs> I mean, if, you know, if there is the, 
such a thing as miracles, Noel. But anyways, um, <laughs> so it's a kind of a sloppy second here is a good thing of the week. Um, the the other thing that happened this week that I was I was pretty stoked on. I thought the childish Gambino video was going to be my good thing of the week. But we spend a lot of time on that. So the other yes. thing I want to bring up is kind of a social uh, media, not social media, but social comma media thing was um, uh, the Cannes Film Festival. So uh, it was on, was it one of our, on one of our first podcasts or an article I wrote? I don't know. But last year, the Cannes Film Festival my girl, uh, Jessica Chastain was, was on one of the podcast. jurors. Yeah, it was very early on. Yeah, okay. I'm glad I didn't make that up. Um, but anyways, she she had mentioned that she was quite disturbed. Like, that was literally mm-hmm. the word she used uh, about <laughs> how women were portrayed in the films that were in competition for the Cannes Film Festival. And that she thought we could we could do better. Film industry, society, we could do better. So, in a cool response to that, um, the Ken Festi- uh, Film Festival, which is still going on this week, um, there was a, a minor, totally peaceful, nonviolent protest held by a bunch of women on the red carpet about um, representation of women in film. And uh, the directors of the Ken Film Festival uh, signed an initiative to try and get equal representation of uh, women in film by 2020. So um, it was Very created cool. by this organization out of France, uh, France called uh, 5050 by 2020. So talking about equal gender representation in the films that are put into competition. Um, and it was signed, uh, signed by the directors of the organization um, just a couple days ago, which is super, super cool. Like, I think that's fantastic. And um, it's not just about gender. It's also about um, racial inclusivity mm-hmm. because the Cannes Film Festival is one of the largest and most prestigious film festivals in the world. The films that are put into competition are still selected by a very small group of, of people, individuals, producers, directors, whatever. And so what this initiative is supposed to do is to provide more transparency about that selection process and also trying to get better representation of different walks of life in the film that they that they screen at the Cannes Film Festival. And um, in this last year, just going from Jessica Chastain, like calling out Cannes last year, to the Me Too movement and the Harvey Weinstein fallout and you know, like what a what a very like encouraging, peaceful, positive like movement forward in social, in, in not social media but in society and in media in general. So mm-hmm. I thought that was super cool. That was very my good thing cool. of the week. Yeah, well, let's. let's yeah. Uh, well, I guess we can't really influence that too much here, uh, you know, from our little podcast, especially stateside. But you know, let's keep doing <laughs> we can and just. Listeners out there, keep doing what you can to uh, make sure that those things keep progressing because you know, not only is it the right thing to do, but if uh, you're like me and it's kind of more selfish thing, the more voices you have from different backgrounds in storytelling, in you know, movies, books, whatever, the better and the more entertaining. So, yeah. 
Yeah. It's good. <laughs> and I think with that, we'll sign off and we'll uh, hopefully next time not have uh, you have to call back in the phone because the internet's not working. Yeah, hopefully not. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see how this turns out though because I, I know we want to do again feedback at strangetonic.com um, if you want to you know, if you want to chat with me if you want to chat with Michelle if you want, um, or whatever let's talk maybe we can do a phone conversation and have a little bit of it on here so funny, I think it's awesome. Okay, I hope so. <laughs> Alright. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks, y'all.